And welcome, Hoosier fans, to another disappointing episode of Doing the Work, the first show on the Back Home Network dedicated to covering Indiana women's basketball. Today is our 104th episode recorded on Sunday, February 4th, 2024. And I am your host, Kathy Amos, and joined today with my co-host, Jeff Marlowe. And today we will be breaking down your number 10, number 9, Indiana Hoosiers loss 74-69 to the number 7 ranked Ohio State Buckeyes. That loss now brings the record to eight and 18 and three overall and nine and two in the conference. And Jeff, uh, we're going to start out our band, our show as we do every show. And that's with our Hoosier proud banner moment. And, you know, it's, it's kind of hard for me to, to come up with one, but I'm going to go to, and I don't have the exact time marked down, but I'm going to go to sometime in that second quarter where Mackenzie Holmes got one of her rebounds that she had today, nine in total for the day, but she got her um, one of her rebounds that actually moved her into fifth place all time in leading um, rebounds for the entire program of Indiana women's basketball. She now has 930 rebounds on her career. So she could really um, try to knock the door there <laughs> for those 1000 rebounds. It may be tough to get to, but I think, you know, she keeps um, hustling on the boards like she did today. I think that's something we we might be seeing later this year. And, you know, it was hard in um, a game like we had today where we really had a tale of two halves, right? We came out and we were really strong in that second quarter in particular. We were a little um, off in that first quarter, really dialed in the second quarter, and it was some of the best basketball we've seen. And then you contrast that with what I'm sure we'll get into quite a bit, which is the third quarter, which in my opinion, I think was one of the worst quarters we've seen from this team. And then they came back and tried to bounce back here, but it was a little too late in that fourth quarter for them to really um, end up making it in, in, but they definitely made it interesting down the run. But, you know, again, our banner moment is just another highlight for McKenzie Holmes, I think, and another notch in her belt of something that we've seen from her for now almost five full seasons from McKenzie. And again, just continues to, to give us some, some joy in our basketball, even if it was a loss today. And our banner moment is brought to you by Homefield Apparel, the presenting sponsor of the Back Home Network, who includes the Assembly Call and Crimson Cast. Homefield is constantly releasing new schools or updating their products for schools in their existing line, so you're bound to find something for you or anyone in your life that just loves great collegiate gear. Not only do you get great quality apparel, but you are supporting an Indiana-based business that has its roots in the Kelly School business. So go to homefieldapparel.com, and if it's your first time shopping with them, you can use our promo code HOME23 to get 15% off your entire first order. Again, that promo code is HOME23 for 15% off, and the website is homefieldapparel.com. Wear one for the team. All right. Well, now we're going to kick it over to Jeff for your Marlowe's musing. So, Jeff, what's on your mind today? Okay, Kathy, I'll agree with you. I think the third quarter we're going to talk a lot about. But, I, again, we pegged this. I think both of us – excuse me, I feel a sneeze coming on. I, I think we both felt like this was going to be a loss in the preseason. That this was Again, we've said this all along, that Ohio State is perhaps on paper the best team in the league. And when they can get their pressure going especially – they can get teams rattled. So they, you look at what they've done. They've beaten Iowa and Columbus. They've beaten us in Columbus. Now, they still have to go back to Iowa City. 
they don't come back to Bloomington. So this game became important a little bit because we get into some tie scenarios for seeding of the Big Ten tournament. But at least I think compared to a couple of the other high-profile games at Iowa City, at Stanford, we saw this team compete better. When the run happened, they didn't just shrink and let it get away into a 25-30 point blowout like they kind of did in, in those first two games. That, that I'm talking about at Stanford and Iowa City. So the loss here, at least while there were some things with it that are are, are discouraging, that you saw some fight in them. And again, you got to remember, we picked this to be a loss thinking we'd have a healthy a healthy roster, that Sydney would be healthy and 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 with that. So you, then you were going into a situation now on the road without an all-league caliber player and somebody who, as a senior, you would like to think could help settle some of the issues down with the pressure. I think that's the thing that's got most most fans are going to look at and be like, wow, you know, we, we still struggled with the press. And again, Ohio State's going to make a lot of people look bad on their press. But I guess my concern, and I think I tweeted or I texted this with a friend and I was maybe in our group message that I just not sure what the scheme is. And we've said this a couple times against pressure teams. And we're going to see this Thursday night. Michigan State's going to play a similar similar style. Um, I'm just not sure what the, the scheme is to run, that they're trying to run because I, I don't see anybody consistently getting the middle. It looks like they want to try and get it on a sideline and see if they can go over the top diagonally, which, again, is fine. But it usually helps if you can get somebody in the middle to occupy somebody. But there were too many times today where just in when Ohio State was pressing us, they got us down inside, you know, basically our own free throw line and 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 just kind of had us all bottled up or got us into the corner. And that's the worst place you want to, you know, be against the pressure. So um again, I think that's where most fans are are are, are probably going to be looking at the result today, like, wow, we still couldn't handle the press. And that is a concern going forward as we play them in the Big Ten tournament and 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 other teams similar to that. Yeah, I, I agree with you, Jeff. I and with the scheme, that's the one thing I I was just not quite understanding. I was hoping, you know, we can get into it here um a little more detail, but something maybe later you can address as a coach. What I don't understand personally is I didn't understand why we seem to be um trying to attack the press by going to the sidelines. There was multiple times that we seemed to get the ball in the corner or that we were moving backwards instead of trying to move across the the the, the um, half court mm -hmm. line. And I was really confused. And it seemed to me that that's what the coaches were coaching the players to do because they didn't just do it once and then or twice or just one player doing it it was multiple times where i thought we got it into that corner or on the the sidelines and it really just gave ohio state an extra defender when you get it that close and so i thought maybe we should have attacked the ball um the middle more in that press um but you know overall i think uh it just it was confusing to me so when we get to our pivotal plays and start talking more about that third quarter i'd like to get your perspective on it too so sure um with that jeff yeah let's go ahead and move into the pivotal place and um since i'm hosting why don't you give us a start here is there anything you know at the beginning of the game that seemed pretty pivotal to you that you want to talk about yeah let's go about the first 5 minutes it kind of was you know they i felt like you know to use uh, some boxing terminology here they they were kind of feeling each other out they were kind of they were both teams were kind of you know kind of doing a little dancing around the ring they were you know kind of you know trying to see if they could land a jab here jab there it was really kind of you know what they could find because got off to a little slow start first time out um it, you know was seven to six and mac had all seven points for us um and so i thought that was kind of a pivotal point there and then you know he came out of that timeout 
and Ohio State kind of made an adjustment, and they really kind of were the first to kind of stay with the boxing analogy that, that just really, you know, they landed that first really hard punch, you know, coming out of that first that timeout there at the quarter in the first in the first quarter media timeout. Yeah. Um, you know, Mac came out really on fire. Like you mentioned, she had, you know, her first seven points and then they really seemed to make some good adjustments. Ohio state did, and she ended up with only 14 on the day. So half her points came really early on in that first quarter. And then they kind of shut her down. You know, she was not nearly as efficient as what we've seen from McKenzie in the past as well. Um, so, you know, I thought there was a couple, you know, really hard fought, um, quarter in that, that, um, first quarter, um, one place that I thought might end up being, potentially pivotal was right around the three minute mark where Lexi got her third foul. And I think today Lexi really was a person we needed in there, not for her scoring ability um, per se, but because of her ball handling, I thought, you know, with uh, the turnover bug really hitting the team hard um, again in this game, Lexi was one that it, of the starters who didn't turn it over. And with all the ball handling she had, I thought that was actually pretty good from her, but she got that third second foul with three minutes to go. And I was a little concerned um, um, but she ended up really, um, what did she end up playing quite a bit for us? I think she had, yeah, mm -hmm. 30 minutes and she did end up with only two rebounds or excuse me, turnovers and, um, just one more foul after those first three minutes. And so, um, that ended up actually not being a pivotal play, but I wrote that down because I was a little concerned we weren't going to be able to use her as much, but, um, the other thing I think in the first quarter was a little bit of a hint of what we were going to see um, really rear its head where they had six turnovers in that first quarter alone. Um, so I wrote that down. It wasn't just one play per se as the pivotal play, but I thought that was a kind of a foreshadowing of what we ended up um, seeing really bad in the third quarter. Yeah. And I'll just Any kinda... other first quarter pivotal plays that you want to talk about? Oh, I'm sorry, Kathy. I thought you had a little lag there. Um, no, I really don't have anything else in the first quarter. I'll just go yeah. ahead and jump into the second quarter. And again, kind of a back and forth quarter. They they had that 18 to 11 lead because they they made a big run there at the end of the first quarter and got it to 18 11. And then we we kind of battled back into it about 22 18. And then a big play. And I I I don't have the exact time on this. But there was a play there where I believe it was Cody McMahon got fouled, made the bucket, put it up to 24-18, and, and Terry Morin took a timeout. And I thought that timeout was a well, it was well executed timeout because I, I, you could just tell they were they still weren't quite where they should be in terms, especially defensively, uh, as they were coming through. And Coach Morin took that timeout. Now, she hit the free throw, so it actually went to 25-18. But from there on, really, we dominated the rest of that second quarter. But I thought the timeout was it was a – yeah, because I had a feeling – because we we were going back and forth about this, Kathy, in mm -hmm. our text a little bit, and I had another friend. Yarden was not very good in the first no. quarter and a half. She was not. And, no. and so there's no other way to say it. But then she played a lot better in that segment. And I'm not saying that she did, but man, I just kind of got to wonder if whether Coach, you know, Coach Morin really lit in not only her to a whole team, but did she really let, you know, get into Yarden about, hey, it's time to get going. And because I thought Yarden had a really good second half of that second quarter. And to me, that was, yeah. I don't have a time on that, but that to me, that whole thing becomes really pivotal. Yeah, I agree. In fact, um, that was one of the pivotal plays I wrote down. I, again, I don't have the exact time, but I think it was um, right around that time we took that timeout. Um, right after it, not too long, where we finally actually did attack the middle of the press and we got the ball down to Mac, um, who then um, got the ball over to Garzone, who attacked the lane 
um, and got fouled and we made it, you know, 23, 25. And that was, you know, um, was good because we really needed that after the end of the, the end of the first quarter into the second quarter, Ohio state was on a 10 0 run. And, um, you know, Sarah Scalia, Scalia finally ended that with a layup, but I thought that was what I wanted to see more was the on the press was when they were going to the middle and really attacking it and making crisp passes, not these lob passes that we saw a lot, not trying to um, necessarily dribble out of the, the double team. Um, you know, I don't know about others, but I feel like us passing the ball is going to be quicker than what Ohio state is going to be able to run. And so I felt like we needed to, to pass it. And with that play, um, where we ended up getting it to Mac and to Garzon, it looked like we were handling the press fine um, at that point in the second quarter. Um, so I agree. I think that timeout was really um, indicative of what we we needed to see in a good coaching adjustment. Um, anything else in the second quarter you want to talk about? Because I, I do think that was some of the best basketball we've seen from this team. It was just this weird roller coaster today of different games. I felt within the game, <laughs> and that second yeah. quarter was one I wish we saw more of. Well, and and so you finished that quarter on a nineteen to eight run. So like you talked about, you know, if we go back to it was seven to six at the fir- at the timeout, the first quarter media timeout was seven to six, and then you go to the timeout that Terry Morin takes. So now that's an, you know, my math's always a little fuzzy, but that's an eighteen to eleven run by Ohio State, and then we go on a nineteen to eight run to finish. So you had a game of runs, and that's kind of what I was expecting coming into this game. If we mm-hmm. were going to be competitive, you had, you know, they're going to make a run. We're going to, they're going to make a run. Yeah. That's, it just was one of those things. And, um, and so I felt pretty good going in at halftime up 37, 32, but I, I, I can't, you go back to the third quarter. I'm going to jump ahead to the third quarter here, but it's yeah. just like, this is where it, I, I put this in the discord. And for those of you who are watching or follow along with us in the discord, very first possession, we turn it over on the press and it wasn't even, a, it wasn't even like we were trying to throw it anywhere other. We just almost literally kind of threw it sideways and, and yeah. you know, got kind of over on the sideline with that. And so that kind of really set the tone for that first half of that first third quarter. I felt like we just really struggled. We had one play. I don't have the exact time, um, but we were, they were pressing us and yard and saw Lene Beaumont and she was open. That diagonal was open, but she airmailed it. And basically yeah. Lene tried to say, you know, Lene tried to save it, but it gave, went right to Ohio state for another turnover. So we, you know, there was about a five minute stretch there, four and a half, four minute stretch there where we just really struggled with the press and Ohio state took advantage of it. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. In fact, the first two times you'd mentioned the first one where Chloe threw the ball away and then Ohio State scored. And then um, the next time Lexi dribbles it to the yes. corner and loses the ball right after that. And I, again, why are we dribbling the ball to the corner? I did not understand that at all. Um, <laughs> it was really confusing to me. And I see um, Ari in the chat said that during the post game press conference that coach Morin had did come out at least during the, the press conference. And she um, took responsibility as the head coach and said, you know, I just didn't prepare them properly for breaking that press. And to me, that was a great example of it. Those two back to back. It just, I didn't quite understand it. Um, I thought Chloe was really struggling with it today. She was doing a lot of, I thought, um, just kind of lackadaisical almost passes, like more lob passes. They weren't crisp. Mm-hmm. And we've kind of seen that from her a couple of times, you know, when Princeton pressed us. And then last week when Maryland was pressing us, we see these high arching um, passes from Chloe and, you know, it got picked up a, a number of times and she ended up, I think with five turnovers today. Um, and, and those were two very, I think, um, indicative examples of what was going wrong for us against that press. Um, and Jeff, you mentioned too, I think in the discord, maybe you can talk on this a little bit right now. 
Um, Ohio State did change their press. It was different from the first quarter or the first half, rather, right? We we seem to be handling it fine in the second quarter. They went into halftime, they changed it, and they came out into a different um, press. So maybe for our listeners, you can talk a little bit more about what their press was like in the first quarter or first half and what it was like in the second. Yeah, in the first half, you heard if you were watching the game and got a chance to watch it, and, and, and you watch on FS1 where they came into the timeout there a little bit, and Kevin McGuff, a couple things, I put this in the Discord as well that Kevin McGuff was correct. He, he, he told him, he was like, he was telling the Ohio state players, keep, keep running, keep pushing. And, and cause they'll get tired. Cause he, you know, he knew they were going to, that we were going to play, but our starters quite a bit. And he believed that they were, you know, going to be able to, you know, just wear us down. Um, but he also talked about how he stay in their 22 and, you know, keep pressing them, keep running them, especially if they stay in 22 and 22 means two, two, one pressure. It, everybody has a different way of calling their stuff. Um, uh, Mine was kind of similar. Um, when I re- use that press, we would refer to it as 25, but 25 meaning 20, you know, two, two, one on the front, and then five meaning man and man in the backcourt or in the half court. And that's what they were doing. Um, but that two, all that means is you got two guards up front, and, you know, two players up front, two roughly around half court, one all the way back to protect. And generally, you're going to allow that to be inbounded. And then you're going to try and really press. And the problem with the what we're trying to do, Kathy, a little bit is, especially, on a, you know, 2 two, one really is really kind of trying to force you sideline anyway. So we kind of were taking the bait a little bit because they're trying to get you to go sideline and almost really want you to throw the pass just ahead of half court where now they can trap you and you can't go back and you got, you know, they got you on that sideline. So you really don't have, and we saw that a couple of times in the first half too, where we did get across half court, but with that, now what's open against that, if you run somebody to the middle or put, or just, or sometimes we would just set, you know, somebody, and I mentioned this, I think in the group or, or, or maybe the discord, I've had about three different conversations going off different things, but I'm not sure you just don't put them against Ohio state. You just don't put yeah. McKenzie in the middle of it and, and right. use her size over the top. Yeah. yeah throw over the yep. top and because if you get it past the front line of any press you know you at least relieve the pressure now i don't expect mac to turn and dribble and go you know to the to the other end and lead the break but you at least relieve that pressure and force it back beyond you know kind of back behind half court um with that so that 221 pressure but then if you put somebody in the middle it forces the 221 to cover it usually with the back side person from half court and that's where the diagonals open and that's what they were trying to hit then in the second half they went we and i saw jc sheldon give the signal and it looked like a diamond like if you fit you form up like a diamond with your fingers and that's what yeah. we referred to it as we used to refer yeah. to it as 15 but that diamond meaning you're putting somebody right up on the ball and that's right. where they really got us in the third quarter because when you put somebody on the ball and you're putting the two people at the free throw line, then somebody basically around half court and somebody all the way back. What you're trying to do is force it to a side. You're trying right. what you, we taught that front person was you force it, try to force it short side or at the very middle, force it such a flat pass that it forces it into a corner. And, and that's what they were doing a pretty good job of with that. So that's the difference is really to the two presses, but you both, in my opinion, and I agree with you. And I put this in the discord. I was having conversations with others. I'm a big believer. You beat the press by getting the ball to the middle. And, and, yeah. and I didn't understand some, and the, and the other thing is your inbounder, if you're not going to like flash them to the middle, cause that's one thing you can do. You have your inbounder inbound it, then flash middle and stay there. But the inbounder, somebody's got to get behind the ball. So if you pass it in, let's say to Lexi over toward that corner, somebody's your guy the inbounder has to stay behind it because you want that angle back and to give some leave some pressure or somebody has to rotate back but we were throwing a lot of flat passes across and and or just like you said some you know kind of a lot of air under passes that just were kind of up in the air way too long but i'm just a big believer that 
you you beat press by getting the ball to the middle. And and because once because every coach is every coach teaches their press defense, keep the ball out of the middle. Why? Because they know that's where it, it beats the press. So, but that's again, I know Coach Morin did a great and I, I give kudos to Coach Morin for coming in the press conference and saying they she didn't have them prepared. That's a good coaching move. Now I got high, I got a lot of suspicion. She's gonna go into the film room tomorrow and be like, we talked about this yeah. <laughs> in walkthrough. We talked about it and practice on Friday. Why didn't we execute it? And because again, right. this is the second time now where their press has really, you know, it went back to the Big Ten tournament last year. Again, yeah. they're good. They're good. Don't get me they're wrong. They, they've really got ex- they've yeah. got athletes. And I'm going to talk. We get to the noble numbers here in a few minutes. Yeah. I'm going to talk about one of their players a little bit oh, as yeah. well because I mean they, you know, they're some of the numbers there, but. But that's what we're talking about. And and I saw right. J.C. Sheldon give that signal, that diamond. And that's what, you know, that's kind of what we used to do with our hands. And we just put that, you know, like diamond yeah. or however you want to put it. And so you yeah. can see there a change. Then they changed it back to the 2-2-1. After Indiana yeah. started to look like they had figured it out, like, oh, crap, they changed it. Then they went back to the 2-2-1. So good job by Kevin McGuff to kind of keep them on their toes a little bit. But that's that may be where, again, I'm not trying to be down on Chloe, but that's in this case, Chloe's the point guard. She's got to be yeah. one to recognize some of that. And 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 you know, I just again another game. I'm not I'm not trying to find an excuse, but having Sydney Parrish on the floor in a game like this on the road would have been a big key. Yeah, I agree. Um, yeah, I think uh, the player you might be referring to, Ohio State, at least one of them is Cody McMahon, and that was a play I, I was also a little surprised about in the fourth, or excuse me, third quarter. She got her third foul with eight minutes left into that third quarter, and I thought, well, this might turn out to be good for us, but we just couldn't seem to keep from turning the ball over, so we could never get anything going offensively to try to even, you know, force her into that fourth foul because they left her out there on the court um, and she played and I think she ended up with 20 points before she ended up finally filing out, you know, late in the the fourth quarter. Um, So I was hoping, you know, that might be a pivotal point for us in that third quarter. And it just turned out not to be because we just couldn't get anything going again. I kind of quit writing down pivotal plays in that third quarter because they started being all turnovers, right? Like, Oh, we had another turnover by Yarden, And then Lexi stops a fast break, which was really fantastic because other people had given up on that play. Like you see Chloe in particular standing there watching it. Um, Yarden throws a bad pass. Chloe standing there watching it, assumed it was going to go out of bounds. Yeah, it was a terrible pass. And I guess Chloe assumed it was going to go out of bounds. So she just stood there and watched. And, and Shel- Sheldon saved the ball. And, and yeah, and she and, got it down. And um, But Lexi didn't, you know. And kudos to Lexi for not giving up on that. She stopped that fast break. But then we come down, we turn the ball over again right on the other end. We just couldn't string it together in that third yeah. quarter. And JC Sheldon's who I want to talk about because yes, I, and I put it in the Discord, I put it, in the, the I put it in the text. I, she's good. But we get to some of the numbers. I mean, she's an all Big Ten player, but she yeah. was out hustling us, and that Absolutely. would be that would have been one of the things I put in that huddle or in the locker room talking about. We're in the film room tomorrow. I was like, that's the part that might be you know, you, I hate to say unacceptable, but you can't have JC Sheldon out JC Sheldon out hustling because she did it earlier. They Mac had the ball down in the block, it kind of got stripped away, and then they all kind of watched it roll toward the corner. Corner, like it was just going to go out of bounds, but JC Shelton runs over and grabs it and they get out of the corner and go the other way. You can't have, yeah. especially the other team's best player. I mean, I know you can make a debate about whether it's Cody McMahon or JC Shelton. I'll go with JC Shelton as their best player right now. Yeah, I agree. Uh, I think she's the overall rounded player for them yeah. and clearly the leader for them. Yeah. yeah. Now, career wise, McMahon may end up with some better numbers and things like that, but I'm just saying for right now, JC Shelton's the best player on that team. And when the other team's best players out hustling you, 
that's a sign that's you, right. that you know, that you better you better try and get that you know you got to try and get that fixed. So um, yes, I'm and that ju- play I was talking about, I think, is an example of that. You yes. know, J.C. Sheldon was the one who hustled and got that ball and saved it from going out of bounds. And you again, you saw two of our players. I know one was Chloe, and I can't remember who the second one. I think it was Yarden. Um, who had thrown the pass, they just stood there and watched her. And I was just, and I saw another time Chloe kind of did that um, on, on defense sometime in the the fourth quarter when we were actually trying to make a run back. She assumed again, that um, Ohio state was shooting a layup and she just, I think assumed it was going to go in. So you see her standing there at, you know, half court almost. And Lexi's the one down there trying to fight for the rebound on her own. And Mm -hmm. so I was just a little overall disappointed a little bit with Chloe today. And a couple of times it just felt like she was um, kind of lacking some energy and hustle today for us. And to your point um, on the other side of it, JC Sheldon in particular was just, she was on, on, uh, on her game today. So um, go ahead, Jeff, you had another play you wanted to talk about. Well, I'm I'm going to go to the fourth quarter and I per se, and I don't remember the exact moment, but I texted it to you guys and I texted, I put it in the discord. We played zone, you know, yeah. we, we yeah. actually went two, three zone and did it for more than one possession as a show. So I can't remember. And I'm not going to say I've watched every game going back to Terry Morton's career here, but I've watched a lot of games since yep. we started, obviously since we started this show, I watched quite a few of the games that were on, you know, I didn't have BTM plus, but any game I could watch, back in the day with Tyra Buss and Amanda Cahill, I don't remember a ton of zone. Nope. And, right. and, and so that, that two a Mac had four fouls. So I think there was a little bit of trying to protect her there when we were behind, but again, overall you would have thought, Hey, why are we playing zone against a team that like with JC Sheldon that can shoot the three, but Ohio state isn't necessarily a great three point shooting team. So it really wasn't a bad, yeah. the big girl hurt us from three, probably more than anybody in the first half for sure. Yeah. yeah. I mean, she ended up with, um, I think she ended up with three for six from, from deep. So yeah. I, I thought that was, I, I love the move. I mean, at least try something different and see if you can at least maybe get them a little bit rattled. And it did for a few possessions. They kind of were like, you know, they, they, they turned it over. They took a quick shot, you know, they, you know, so the, it, that got them kind of like, Whoa, they're playing zone. So yeah, I thought that I, I like that. It doesn't mean she's going to do it again, but I loved it today. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Jeff, we kind of been dancing around um, some of the numbers, but uh, do, do you want to let's touch briefly on the fourth quarter and parlay that into our notable numbers. So, you know, they did try to make a run back on in that fourth quarter, um, you know, a 28 seconds yard and hits back to back threes. Mm-hmm. We cut the lead to four, um, but they just couldn't. It was too late for that. Um, and, and kind of on the the. <laughs> the flip side of, you know, Ohio state pressing, we finally start pressing, but again, it was only with like what, two, three minutes left to go. And again, I felt like it just came a little too late. And that's how that fourth quarter felt for me is that it was just too little, too late. It was just a little late in the game for us to be able to make that really good run. You know, we had um, Mac finding Lexi for a nice wide open backdoor cut to cut it to um, down to 57, 65 and finally get it back to single digits. And then those threes from Yarden, but we just couldn't quite get enough stops strung together in that yeah. fourth quarter I, and the only thing i'll talk about there is get kudos to Yarden. she hit him but yeah. really needed there to be that you yeah. know i'm not saying him but she just again that but those two shots made her whole her second half look a lot better in the statistic line but yeah again they were two plays that were way too late i i don't want i can't remember if it was on the first three kathy or the second three by Yarden. i think it was the set the first one but we had the ball and we didn't seem to have any sense of urgency. You know, it was, you know, it was like, you know, let's, you know, go, go, go. And, or not go, 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 but they, they got it. I think the Mac 
and it took a few seconds to get to Mac. They kind of passed it around a couple, three times, got it to Mac, and then she got doubled, I think, and she got it out to Yarden, who Yarden, finally, and Yarden didn't really have her feet set. And yeah. she just kind of fired it up and it went in because she's a decent shooter. And that's, you know, you can, you can do that when you're a decent shooter. But I, I was kind of like, where's the urgency? And then I'll go to the end of the game. I'll get your thoughts there. Down four, coming out of the timeout with like 14, 15 seconds to go. You still had time to maybe go quick two there. Yeah. And, and we went and, and it looked like we really had it drawn up for a three. Because if you watch the reaction of the coaches on the sideline after Sarah missed, they acted like that was a, that was the shot they were looking for. And, and that's fine. I mean, that's a legit strategy. I, I just think I would have liked to see us go quick two if we could, maybe we get them to foul or at the least you get a quick two, it stops the clock, you know, with that. So, but that's, that's, that's difference in philosophy. I'm, I, I'm right. not going to hammer on that too much, but I just kind of wanted your thoughts on that. I was the same way. I think, um, and I saw, or I think we were talking about it in the, again in the discord with some people. And I said, you know, if we, you know, could just get a quick two here right away and then try to get the ball back and if not foul right away, but um, you know, you get a higher percentage shot when you're, you know, if you could have gotten in and like you said, you know, they were calling, I thought the officials overall called the game mm -hmm. good today, but it was an ag aggressive game today. And there were a lot of fouls being called and I didn't think they were bad calls or anything, just a lot of them. So to me, like, why not try to get the ball in, drive the ball, um, and maybe even make a three-point play out of it, um, you know, the old-fashioned way by a two-and-one. So I, I'm this. I'm with you, Jeff. I really expected um, coming out of that timeout, we were going to see us try to get the ball to Mac or have somebody try to drive the ball and not kick it out to Sarah on the edge. So, um, And she didn't yeah. really get her feet set. No. And, and no, again, Sarah's didn't. a good shooter. She doesn't have to. But in a situation like that, the better, the more you can, the better opportunity, the better chance right. that you have. Exactly. All right, cool. Any other middle plays for you? No. Now let's move on to the numbers. Let's do it. You go first. Yeah, 23. Just yeah. too many turnovers. Easy. Season high, yeah. season high 23 turnovers. You, you mentioned it here in the pivotal plays. We had six in the first quarter. We had only 10 at the half. But then yeah. we the third quarter just really bottomed, you know, we really bottomed out on turnovers. But you know, any chance you had, even with a healthy Sydney Parish, let alone a not a, an unavailable Sydney Parish. Is is predicated on the idea that you are going to limit turnovers. You don't. The recipe for being a top ten team on the road is not turning it over twenty three times. And again, I'm not blaming this all on Coach Moore. The players make no. the plays. They throw no. it. They travel. Whatever it may do. But it, yeah, that's that's the one. I'm sure they're going to really talk a lot about in the yeah. in the film session tomorrow. But twenty three. We got to start there. The twenty three turnovers. Yeah. And you, you, again, you, you take the 23 and that leads you right to the other number, which is 21, which is the points Ohio state scored off of those turnovers. And that compared to the ours of only four points off of turnovers, you know, and it was, it, it was a lot of people, but, um, six from yard and zone to lead the team in turnovers. Then you had five each from Chloe and McKenzie, you know, our two seniors um, in particular having 10 of our 23 turnovers, you just can't happen. And they weren't all against the press. There was a good chunk of them, um, but there were at least, you know, three or four travels that we saw as well. Um, so just overall, it was just a sloppy, sloppy play in that third quarter. Obviously that was the worst. They had 11 turnovers in that quarter and only 10 points. <laughs> so, I mean, that I think sums up the game enough of why they win this. And I think for me, Jeff, that's kind of why I was, um, even though I was expecting this to be a loss, why I ended up being a little disappointed today because we had this game. It was a winnable game and we just came out and did not execute in that third quarter. And it just really, um, had the game get away from us. Yeah. Um, 
but for me, a number I'm going to jump to next, I'm going to switch to the positive side, um, is rebounding. So we did, um, out rebound, um, Ohio state 38 to 29. So, um, and you know, Ohio state clearly wasn't again, too interested in, in rebounding the ball a whole lot. I didn't think, um, and I think we saw that in their numbers when we highlighted that coming into this game. Um, but I did look on the the way down to drive to Indiana that we were making on Friday, and Indiana's rebounding margin has been, you know, slowly creeping up, and so we're moving up better on that. And so I think that is something the team has definitely been focusing on, and I think we've been doing a much better job of that. But any overall thoughts from you on the rebounding side today? Yeah, they only had we we limited them to four offensive rebounds, but they don't send a ton of people to the mm-hmm. glass, and 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 they also they're basically a jump shooting team outside really of of the steals that they get, you know, all, the turnovers that they force that they can get runouts on or two on one type things where you get layups. It's really a jump shooting team. I mean, they really are. And outside McMahon, McMahon will makes it will do some things off the dribble, but it's really kind of a jump shooting team. So they're not and they're not sending a lot of people to glass. I Kevin McGuff's philosophy like a lot of coaches. Yep. I'm going to make sure I get back. I, I may, you know, I can go after the rebound, but if I don't get it, I might be opening up a layup on the other end. There are a lot of, especially at the college level, and you're seeing more and more high school coaches with that philosophy, which I know a lot of fans will be like, hey, you send people to the guy. Well, there's, you know, Knight, Bob Knight used to talk a little bit about it, but it's risk reward and, and, and you can get an offensive rebound, but realistically, your chance, your percentage of getting an offensive rebound against a pretty good team is not going to be very high. So you might as well just get back and play and make sure you're not giving up layups at the other end because somebody goes for a rebound, trips, falls, whatever it may happen. And now it's five on four, four on three the other way. So yeah. I thought I thought the rebounding was really good today. I'm I'm a number I'm going to go to, and I'm yep. not trying to make this be a negative. Um, you talked about the turnover, the points off turnovers. You can look at it a couple of ways with that. They either averaged a po- basically a point for every turnover, you know, like per possession. So like yeah. you know, 21 points on 23 turnovers. But if you look at their steals, they averaged over two points per steal. You know, you know, so you figure ter- you know steals lead to turnovers. You know, it lead to a lot of those you know points off turnovers. That's you know two points per steal. That's Wow, that's a high number, but I'm going to go to this number. I'm going to stay in the 20s here. I'm going to go to 20 points. That's the points J.C. Sheldon had in the second half. She had five points at the half. I put that in the Discord, and I was worried about that a little bit. Not that I expected her to go to get 20, but J.C. Sheldon's an all-league player, and you know darn well at halftime they talked about a few things, and and one of the things that probably got brought up was that JC hadn't done a whole lot. I mean she 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 had a couple fouls, you know, and so I think that took away some of her aggressiveness. But she came out and she I think she had the first five points for Ohio State in the second half, and like I said, she had twenty in the second half, and then and then they're smart, you know, and I would you know I do the same thing. Coach Warren does the same thing. When it got tight, they were putting the ball as much as they could in J.C. Sheldon's hands because she's going to go to the line yep. and knock down at about an 80% or more rate. 88. Yeah, she's an 88% free throw shooter. So something like fourth in the Big Ten. Yeah. yeah. So, <laughs> so, so J.C. Yeah. Sheldon played like an all-league player today. Yeah, she absolutely did. And then you had Cody McMahon. I thought she came out in that second half too and was a lot more aggressive. And she ended up with 20 points. And she only ended up playing 30 minutes because of some of the fouls that, um, that she didn't get called on. So um, I think we just struggle again 
with Cody McMahon in particular, where she could just drive and do whatever she wants. We have a really hard time with those, um, you know, straight line drives and being able to stop them. And, you know, we tried a couple of different people on her and it just seemed like um, we weren't going to be able to, to kind of stop her from getting it. Now, to be fair, a lot of teams have struggled with Cody McMahon and being able to stop her um, here, especially of late. She's really come on in her sophomore year here. So um, <clears throat> really making a big sophomore jump. And part of that's her physical size and strength. And, and that's yes. probably one I would be interested. Is that somebody that Sid would have been guarding? You know, right. is that somebody that Sydney would have been guarding if she's healthy um, from that standpoint? So, yeah, I bet you're right. Cody McMahon's a, 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 a tough task for a lot of teams. And, yeah. and you said that. So, but I jumped in there. So um, you got it. What you got any other notable numbers you got? Yeah. I think the other interesting one for me um, is zero to two. Yeah. Um, which is bench points. Um, I, I was really um, thinking that we'd see a little bit more from, not from our bench, from Ohio State's bench, but, you know, they really rode their starters most of this game as well. And we did too. And, you know, that led into, you know, Sarah Scalia and Chloe Moore McNeil um, playing 38 minutes each and Garzon playing 37 minutes each. So, you know, not a lot of rest for three of our main starters and um, McKenzie 33 minutes and Lexi with 31. So again, not surprising pretty short bench for us today. Um, but they did have Ricky Harris that came in for Ohio state. I just, she didn't score as much as I was thinking and she ended up playing 22 minutes for them off their bench. So, um, again, not surprising. Um, and especially with Sydney being out, our bench was short to begin with. And now Lexi being thrust into that, you know, kind of starter role with starter minutes. Um, not surprised. Uh, and I thought Lene had some, some nice minutes too, for us with her 13 was okay. Um, Jules at the beginning came in pretty early in and but ended up only playing three minutes. Um, and I thought we saw a little bit from Lily too, but just again, not a whole lot from our bench um, today. Again, not surprising that it was pretty short in this game. Yeah. And I will go to this number real quick to kind of finish it up from my perspective on noble numbers. Percentage wise, you didn't feel too bad. Uh, 37, let's call it 38%. I'll round it up on threes. Mm -hmm. You can live with that, but they were only six for 16. I, right. I, and part of that's turnovers. All right. And part of that, I think that they were again, we talked about this in, the, in our group chat uh, and and Ohio State has not changed the way they're basically guarding. Now, they doubled a little bit more today, but they're basically going to guard Mac one on one. And if Mac plays well, she's going to get her 25 or 30, but they're going to try and really limit the number of open jump shots. And I thought they did a pretty good job of that today. And that's one of the reasons that the numbers are down a little bit, only 16 threes. But also, again, and this isn't trying to be negative, it's just it is a reality, is they weren't even guarding Lexi on the three-point line. If you right. watched when Lexi was on the – and when she had the ball above, above outside of the three-point line, her defender, whoever it was, and a lot of times it was Cody McMahon once she got into foul trouble, she was backing off five, six feet. And, and again, yeah. Lexi's not shooting that three on a regular basis. But that's, again, now if you have Sydney. Again, if we play them in the Big Ten tournament and can solve the pressure press problems a little bit, now Sydney's a shooter and they can't. Right. And now that opens up I more space for Mac because McMahon was the one a lot of times digging on Mac in the post. They mm -hmm. did make a slight adjustment there, but that was all basically because they were they were going to dare Lexi to shoot it from from three. Yeah, absolutely. Um, we should at least point out, we've been um, talking about Lexi's shooting form. It, it clearly is something I think they're working on for yeah. her with her free throws. And we saw that today. If you were able to watch the game <clears throat> or, or the next game when she does get to the free throw line, um, by the way, um, she's shooting 40% from the free throw line this year. for So um, clearly well, something she needs to work on. But it looked like she was almost... Yeah. Yeah. She wasn't much better today. I don't think was she. No, she was um, two for three. 
Two for three. Yeah, so better. So she's making improvements. There you go. But yeah, I mean, she she definitely looked like she was doing almost like uh, what you know you used to do when you're young doing shooting drills where you're just taking one arm, you're getting it set, and then you finally put your other hand up to the ball. Um, and it's it, hopefully that's working for her. And, you know, it's a nice adjustment to be able to see that in, in season from her. Um, and then hopefully then that will kind of parlay to her in the off season where she can work on that and not just in free throws, but then be able to um, rectify whatever's going on with her jump shot as well. So at least, you know, trying to make um, some progress there for her in season. I thought that was nice to see from Lexi. Yep. Um, any other notable numbers, Jeff? I don't think I had anything else. I don't. All right. Well, let's move over to game ball then. Um, so, um, yeah, so at the bottom of the screen there, you can see Mackenzie Holmes is leading the way with nine, Sarah Scalia with four, Sydney Parrish with three, Yarden Garzone with three, and Chloe Moore McNeil with one. So, Jeff, how about um, for you, do you have um, your vote for game ball today? Yeah, I'm going to go with Sarah here. I mean, Sarah, basically in the second half, she was, for the most part, especially for a big chunk of the second half, she was the only offense. Um, she finished with 25 points. 8 of 17 shooting, 3 for 8 from beyond the arc, 6 of 7 at the free throw line. But she did also have four rebounds. She had an assist. She had a steal. Now, everybody had turnovers, but she only had three. So, I, so I'm going to go with Sarah here in 38 minutes. So, Yep. Yep. I'll make that unanimous. I think that was pretty easy. I, you know, and again, it wasn't just um, Sarah shooting three pointers for us today. You know, I, I think it's something we've talked about all year with her. She's become a much more rounded um, offensive player and she's improved on the defensive side as well. So, you know, she was eight of 17. Um, in total field goals and only three, only three today from three point line. And she was six to seven from the line. I thought was really nice. Um, so yeah, for me, that was an easy one um, to give Sarah the, the game ball. Um, well, let's jump over to the Grace Berger Hardest Worker Award then. So again, if you're watching on YouTube, you can see the scroll at the bottom of the screen there with our, our run total for the year. So Sydney Parrish is leading the way right now, still with five. Mackenzie Holmes with four. Chloe Moore McNeil with three, Lexi Bargaster with three, Sarah Scalia with two, Lene Beaumont with two, and Lily Meister with one. So that's kind of nice to be able to rattle off that many names. But Jeff, who do you have for your um, hardest worker today? Well, we, we talked a little bit about this on uh, pregame or the pre-show before we actually went live. It's I, it, I First thing I said was I'm not sure who I was going to go with because I have a hard time giving it to somebody who – had five, six turnovers. I, I just, uh, that's, I can't, I'm not sure that's the hustle award. Um, so I'm going to go with Lexi. I, I, you know, she only had six points, but she had four rebounds. She had an assist. She had two steals. Um, so, and overall, like you mentioned, at a spark, talk about hustle. She was the one hustling back on that play that you mentioned earlier where JC yeah. Sheldon had pitched it, you know, saved it and they were out for going for a layup. And not only did she hustle back, she got able to get swiped down on it, get a hand on it, went off the Ohio State player's leg, and we got the ball back. So to me, that, yeah. you know, that's kind of where the hustle award comes in here. I'm going to go with Lexi Bargesser. Yeah, I'm going to make this one unanimous too, Jeff. You know, I like you said before we started, we weren't quite sure. But as we kept talking through the game and I was looking at all the notable um, pivotal plays rather that I, I, I had kind of typed in and you had typed in, Lexi's name kept popping up, didn't it? And, and you know, it's again, not things that you're going to see in the, the stacks like you were mentioning that play again where, you know, she was the only with that hustled, stop that fast break. And, you know, she was hustling for that rebound. And that's exactly what you want from your hardest worker. So to me, I thought Lexi played a nice game again, only 
only two turnovers with as much as she was handling the ball against that press. Um, very, very good to see. And it's very encouraging for her and her future too. So while again, you know, we never want anyone hurt and we certainly want Sydney back soon, you know, in terms of Lexi's development, I think we're really seeing a lot of growth really quick from her in this short amount of time with her taking on a lot more um, minutes for our, from um, with Sydney being out. So congratulations to Lexi. That's now her um, fourth hardest worker award for this year. Um, so I'll give a, we haven't talked a whole lot about McKenzie Holmes today. I don't think this was um, anything we would say this was her best game, but I do think that Ohio State really kind of game planned for her pretty well. Um, and again, like you mentioned, you know, being able to sag off of Lexi and um, Cody McMahon going down and kind of helping. I think she, you know, wasn't quite as efficient today, not per se, because I think um, McKenzie had a bad game per se, six of 12 from the, um, excuse me, from the field, um, I thought Ohio State actually did a pretty good job on her. But let's update her numbers. So today she ended up with um, 14 points on six made field goals, nine rebounds, and one block. Um, as I mentioned in my uh, opening remarks, this was her um, 900. She's now got 930 um, rebounds, putting her in fifth place. Um, in case you're wondering, for fourth in rebounding, she's 970, which means she would need to have um, – average of about five or excuse me, six rebounds per game um, in the regular season to get 40 more to move into fourth. But point wise with her 14 points to game, um, she now has 2,320 points and she needs 44 more points to take over Tyra Buss. So again, um, if we're wanting her to do that at home against Purdue, that would mean she'd need to average 22 points in those next two games. So that is where we are with the Mac watch. Um, so Jeff, anything else about this game you want to talk about, or should we start previewing our next game? No, but I put this out. On, the only thing I'll say is I put this out on the tweet, uh, on the doing the work Twitter feed or X, whatever we're supposed to call it now. Yeah. <laughs> um, but you know, a loss today isn't the end of the world. I think the, what is the issue is a second time now against Ohio state where we didn't seem to really have any answers for their press. Cause yeah. in the past we really have torched the press. You go back to the regular season games last year, the two the games before them. the year before, we had really kind of torched their press and really, you know, I mean, there were a, lot of, a couple of those games were 25, 30 point wins um, over Ohio State. So, you know, I, again, didn't think in preseason prognostication, we I thought this was going to be the other loss they had in the Big Ten um, yeah. on the road. Um, I thought we, you know, so and 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 kind of the one that worry kind of is getting me worried a little bit now. Not that we'll and we'll talk about Michigan State here in a few minutes, but Illinois starting to play just well enough to worry me a little bit about that game in Champaign. But again, you hold court at home, and that means you beat Iowa. So now you know we'll see what yeah. what you know what shakes out there. But no, I, I not the end of the world. It's just the fact that the pressure bothered us again for the second right. straight game. Right. And we knew it was coming. And we, you know, I kind of had mentioned this um, before, like when we played Princeton and they came out and pressed in the second half, we seemed a bit rattled by it then. And then I think when we had a Maryland last week when they were doing um, a bit of a press too, and we knew the press today was coming and we knew it was going to be a lot more aggressive. So um, yeah, I hopefully the the coaching staff can go back, look at the film and, and come up with a better plan um, in case we see another team that is, um, aggressively pressing. So, well, cool. Well, let's move on to our upcoming game. So as Jeff mentioned, we will be playing Michigan state next. This will be a home game. It will be on Thursday, February 8th. Um, tip off is at seven Eastern or six central, and it will be on Peacock. Um, so Michigan state, I'll talk a little bit about some of their overall, um, what they're doing so far this year, and I'll kick it over to you, um, Jeff for, for, um, some more analysis there. So 
Currently, right now, they are number 20 in the net. Uh, Michigan State leads the all-time series 48 to 32. Um, and we are 17 and 21 at home against the Spartans. So um, <clears throat> historically, Michigan State's kind of had our number here, but Indiana did win the last matchup. That was last year in the Big Ten tournament. We won that 94 to 85. Um, that was a very aggressive game. That's where McKenzie kind of re-injured that knee, I think, um, leading into the end of the postseason. So um, we'll see what we kind of get with them. But um, last year in the regular season, we did lose in East Lansing on December 29th, 78-83. That's when we were missing Grace Berger. Um, so <clears throat> that was one of the game that we really felt like we uh, we missed them. That was our only regular season matchup. So um, in terms of team stats, um, they are 16-5 and five overall and 6-4 and four in the conference. Um, they did beat Miami. That's one of the really good wins. And, but they've been really close in some of their losses. So they went into uh, Iowa and only lost by three. That game, if I remember, went into overtime. And then they only lost Ohio state at Ohio state by five. So, you know, they're definitely were right on the cusp of beating a couple of those really top teams as well, too. Offensively, they put up a lot of points. They're third in the big 10 with 86 and a half points per game. Defensively, they're seventh and allow around 66 and a half points per game. As a team, they're shooting 48%, which is fourth in the league. And they're allowing opponents 42%, which is 11th. Um, three-point shooting, they shoot 36% for three points at fifth, and then they allow their opponent to shoot 32.7, which is um, 11th in the league. Um, <clears throat> they're an okay average rebounding, or excuse me, free throw shooting team at 74.7, which is sixth in the league. And then rebounding, they have a 2.1 margin at ninth. Um, and then interesting, their turnover margin, though, is first in the league at 7.6, where they are only turning the ball over 11, and um, but forcing around 18.6 turnovers per game. So that might be a storyline we'll have to keep an eye on on Thursday. But Jeff, do you want to take us through like the coaches and some of their top players to watch? Yeah, and and this is a team that really kind of got retooled over the summer. Um, they they lost some players. They go back to that Big Ten tournament game. They just really they had some players last year. Just at that point, they just in this in that Big Ten tournament game, they just put their head down, and went to the rim, and we really struggled to guard that. And that was kind of when we first really started to see. Some, we'd seen some instances of that last year where we were struggling to guard off the bounce. You know, in previous seasons, but Michigan State last year in that Big Ten tournament game was just like put their head down and we're going. Yep. Um, with that, um, th they are deep. Uh, I, I, I go back to that game in Iowa City, Kathy. I could be wrong, but I think it was a Caitlin Clark buzzer beater at the end of regulation. Right. Okay, of, yes, that's right. That's right. You're right. I think we all thought it was going overtime, yes, and 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 such, but I could be wrong. It might have been a buzzer beater overtime, but Caitlin Clark yeah. beat them at the buzzer. Uh, hmm, we kind of have to understand that yes. feeling. Um, yeah. <laughs> but then they'll lose a game here or there that makes you scratch your head. You know, it's like, well, and part of that I think is because they're still maybe not as talented as some of the other teams in the league. Um, with that, they, they, they are deep. They're going to run. Um, you talk about rebound margin, but then you also talk about turnover margin. They're going to press, they're going to play up tempo and, and with that, and that's surprising that they, the number of the few turnovers they have on offense concerned, they like to get up and down the floor and, and shoot it. So, well, it's going to be a game that'll challenge us, especially 
And again, I don't think we'll see Sid on Thursday. It'd be nice if we did. It was great news for those of you if we didn't say this at the beginning. Yeah, Sid that was my banner moment. Maybe <laughs> Sydney was seen today at the game only in a boot. She did not have any crutches for it to help her get around. So, in my view, kind of former coach slash fan more than anything, that would lead me to believe that she may be a little around a week out. You know, and maybe a little longer, maybe a little less. Just depends. But I think we'll see her. By the time we, you know, for the Purdue game, if we do, that'd be good. Um, what got alarming earlier today was Lexi Bargesser was seen in a boot, and everybody's like, well, and we're getting off the bus. And it's like, whoa. But I think that was a little bit more precautionary because obviously she played, and we saw some pictures of her warming yeah. up. So, anyway, let's get back. Yeah. yeah. Let's get back to Michigan State. Head coach Robin Fralick, her first season at Michigan State. Uh, she had been the head coach at Bowling Green for five seasons, 88 and 73 there, uh, 69 and 31 over the last three. Robin Fralick is one of the up-and-comers in the women's game. Good. And I say young because she's younger than me, but she's and speaking and coaching speak, you know, you know, young basically is anybody under 40, um, you know, or even 45. But she, she's a talented, bright young coach and who will, I my opinion, will do a good job at Michigan State. Um, and it's just, you know, again, Michigan State and others are just, you know, with the teams coming into the league, it's, it's just going to get harder and harder to compete. And so you got to have somebody who knows what they are and what their what their identity is. We talked a little bit about this yesterday at the meetup. By the way, kudos to all the people who were at the meetup and said hello to us yesterday. Um, the, at least IU has an identity. The IU women have an identity. And she start, she's starting to establish that for Michigan State, that what their identity is. So um, their, their top three players, Maura Joyner, 5'10", graduate guard. Uh, she's averaging 15 points a game, which is 11th in the league, uh, five rebounds, three assists, 46% field goal shooter, 12th in the league, and 41% from deep. So she's fifth in the league there. So good shooter. Um and I didn't, I didn't think to look back where she was, uh, or excuse me, she averaged last year. She averaged ten point one points per game and uh, and just around five rebounds. She missed a large part of her junior year with an injury, so she's one that you know coming, you know, has gotten that extra time with COVID and the injury. Uh, Julia Allwright, Allwright's intriguing to me because she's a lot like the big girl from from Ohio State and actually maybe a little better offensively. All right, it's a six-two graduate. They list her as a guard, but if I'm, you know, she's got some size, right. um, you know, some and some strength to her. Fifteen a game, thirteenth. Uh, we'll say seven and a half rebounds of six. Fifty-three percent field goal, which is fourth. Seventy-six percent at the line. Fifteen. She averages two point three blocks a game, which is second in the league. Um, last year, she was a four-point a game, two and a half rebounds. So she's made some big strides here and now under and again this just shows you what a coaching change can do she was yeah. probably you know and under the old regime which had probably recruited her she just couldn't find her way onto the floor and it, for whatever reason but here comes robin fraley she's like you're my player and yeah. and she's like okay just you know i'm you know that and, and what confidence can do uh dd hageman uh five seven junior guard 13 a game 22nd in the league uh, she's shooting 77% free throws, which is 14. She's just under five assists a game at seventh. Her assist to turnover ratio is 2.9, which is first in the league. She was honorable mention all Big Ten last year. And last year, again, this is another example, was averaging, you know, nine points a game and five assists. So, yeah, she is really so they, they've thrived. And you also got to remember last year, Susie Merchant had a health issue. They basically finished up the last half of the Big Ten season with an interim coach. One of this, uh, this, uh, the staff that was there. So, you know, I'm sure that played a little bit of it. But Robin Fraley has instilled at least offensive confidence in this group of kids. 
Yeah, I think that's the interesting thing for me too. When I was, you know, digging into a little more of the details for um, prepping today, I, of you know, those three in particular, I've really made some some nice jumps in terms of what they were averaging last season. And two of them, Myra Joyner and Julia, um, all right, both um, had injuries too um, that they they kind of came off of in the 21-22 season, both of them. So you know. Um, really that really helped but i think julia allright in particular averaging last year four points per game and now up to 15 that's really quite a jump and I, you know i think that what you're saying is is really all right it seems like maybe this coaching um regime change has really put a new system into place for her to to really fit and to thrive and you know and you know kudos to her too because i'm sure she did a lot of off-season work to try to develop more and things like that so um why don't we jump into maybe some more, even um, more details here about some of the stats you pulled off of her hoops. So um, Indiana right now has a chance to win um, according to the, her hoop stats of 80% um, and they project that to be an 80 to 69 victory. But do you want to kind of walk us through some of those numbers that you found, Jeff? Yeah, is, I mean, you look on paper, these are pretty, two pretty similar teams. Um, I use eighth and in uh, going into today, I haven't checked it for since the game's over, but going into today, IU was eighth on the, the, their, their, rating michigan state was 22nd very similar to kind of where they both are in the net uh offensive offensive efficiency i use 10th michigan state's actually fifth defensive efficiency i use 74th michigan state's 103rd effective field goal percentage i use second michigan state's 10th um points per play i use third michigan state's second uh rebound rate though this is where again i think play if we can get into the kind of a rebounding game i use rebound rate is 71st michigan state 103rd Assist rate, both in the mid-30s. I use 38th and Michigan State's 36th. So, again, you look on paper, Kathy, especially some of the analytical stats, I, I, I'm a little surprised. It's an, Again, home court plays a big role here. But, it, right. you know, there's a lot of similar stats there. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I was kind of surprised here looking through it as well. And I wasn't just even looking at the Big Ten stats and where we were compared to Michigan State. Pretty, It seems pretty even. Um, the one place that's interesting to me, I think we um, – you know, play, probably play a little better defense most of the time than Michigan State. You know, if you looked at some of their where they're at in the conference in terms of what they allow, um, I think we're we're definitely a little bit better on that end of it. But you know, Michigan State can put up some numbers too, so we'll see what what our defense can really do. Um, so uh, for me, I think kind of the key to the game. Um, we started alluding to it again, turnovers, especially after we saw today. Um, <clears throat> I think that's something that's going to be a huge focus of, is kind of valuing that ball. Um, I think that's going to be their rebounding, which we've talked about all year. And then I really would like to see our, our defense take a step up as two. So those are kind of my three keys to the game. I'll be kind of watching for, but what about you, Jeff? What is some of the things you might be looking at? I, I agree with those three. I'm also going to be looking at shooting for you know, three point shooting percentage. Can we yep. defend the line and can we hit, you know, again, our percentage today wasn't bad, but we've gotten to the point with the women's team. We're a little bit more of a volume team. We're a little bit more of a 20 to 25, you know, shot from deep and we didn't, we didn't get there today. So I'm going to be looking at three point shooting. Yeah, absolutely. I too. Um, you know, and this is a different Michigan state team than we saw last year for sure. And Michigan state beat us last year. Um, again, that was in East Lansing and this one's going to be at home and that should definitely help. Hopefully we have a nice crowd on Thursday evening, but uh, this is not a Michigan state team that you should take lightly or overlook even at home. You know, like I'd mentioned, they did take Iowa and Ohio state both on the road for them. 
And they took him down to the wire and played them both really tough. So I, I would expect nothing less than having Michigan State come in and, and be the same way. So ultimately, I think we end up winning this, but I think it might end up being a little bit more of a rock fight than people might be expecting if they haven't been paying a whole lot of attention or watching much about Michigan State. But do you have any predictions on the game? I, I think we're going to win. I, I predicted us to win this game in the preseason. I'm going to stick with that. I, I don't know if it's going to be 80 to 69. I, I got, I'm kind of envisioning a little bit more of what Illinois was like when they came in on new year's Eve. Um, kind of like you said, rock fight. And can we get and Penn state comes to mind a little bit. So we'll see. Um, I don't like to predict scores. That's why I try. I like getting it off the her hoop stat site, you know, where we can let them make a prediction, but you know, um, but we just got to play and we got to be able to bounce back. And I'm sure that's going to be the message on as well tomorrow on Tuesday, Wednesday is look again, lost in the league. You're, you've kind of put yourself down at half game behind, you know, game behind there too. So you got to win. You got to win these yeah. games at home and get yourself in a position to play for, for a chance to share or win outright the league title. Yep, absolutely. So, well, let's uh, jump over to around the Big Ten, talk about a little bit of what happened yesterday um, on Saturday, and then some of the upcoming games people might want to kind of poke around and keep an eye on this this week. So um, yesterday we had three Big Ten games. Um, Iowa was at Maryland and won that 93 to 85. Although that score, Jeff, I don't know if you got to watch much of it. I could, I was kind of able to glance at it when we were kind of out and about in Bloomington yesterday. But it was closer than that score would predict. I would have thought they were tied um, actually with only about four minutes left in that 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 game. So it ended mm-hmm. up being a little closer than what you might see with the score. Yep. Um, Michigan went into Penn State and won that 80 to 75. But for me, I think the biggest surprise on Saturday and probably um, you too is Rutgers, who was winless in the conference, went into Nebraska and beat them 71 to 70 for their first Big Ten win. And if I was going to predict any kind of um, game, that was not even one we had on our radar to even keep an eye on <laughs> when we we kind of were, were putting this run sheet together. But um, any thoughts on either of those three games? I'd give Michigan credit. I, we were talking here for the last couple of weeks, like Penn State was the out, you know, just the best, fourth best team in the league. And they yeah. were a team that you didn't want to play. And Michigan goes on the road to Happy Valley and steals one. So it's just really once you get past the top three, Kathy, and I'm glad we're part of that. Um, it's right now, it's just kind of topsy turvy. That loss yeah. by Nebraska, I don't think drops them out of bracketology, but I bet it cost them a line. I think they were a nine yeah. last time this last week on Friday when Charlie Cream did it. And that, that probably will drop them to a 10. Right now, the league is only looking like a six team league. A lot of it will depend on how teams play down the stretch, obviously, especially Maryland. I think mm-hmm. Minnesota losing Mar Braun is a huge loss and really going to doom any chance they have of making the tournament. But Maryland had basically dropped to basically the last team in. Now again, it's a, it's an inexact science, but you know, cream like Andy, like our own Andy Bottoms and Brian Townsoni, Delphi Bracketology, they've gotten pretty good at this. So I, I would imagine that they may not be the last team in. They could be the first team out, or they're right in that, you know, the last four in, but they're right there on the but they're very solidly on the bubble right now. So, you know, you're looking possibly only six teams getting into the into the tournament so um yeah we took about this a little bit you look at tuesday nebraska at michigan you know you would yeah. think that michigan okay michigan will be the favorite but then michigan's been the team that at home be like eh, they just got beat by illinois at home so and right. i know we got to look on illinois purdue here but i'm not sure that game has as much importance as it might have had had we been talking about that game middle you know right. in the preseason but again yeah. another game to keep an eye on um Big game, in my opinion, Kathy, out your way on Thursday, pretty much the same time we're playing, Penn State at Iowa. 
Yeah, I, I think so too. I'm, you know, we'll be interested to be able to kind of keep an eye on that um, in between watching our our team play. But that that is an interesting one, I think, on paper too. Because again, you know, I, I'm still surprised that Penn State lost at home to Michigan. So I would expect a bounce back for them, hopefully. Um, and going into Iowa, as, as we all know, is never easy. But Penn State's at full strength now with um, Awusu back and um, Marisa back. And so I'm still really high on Penn State, even though they did just lose to Michigan. So um, but I think like you mentioned that, you know, you get past those kind of top three teams, um, the middle of the big 10 seems to really be bunching up and beating up on each other in particular. And you just never know which teams you're going to get day in and day out. You know, you might get a really fantastic Michigan team one night and the next time they get beat by 20 points. So, um, I think that's, what's kind of interesting with some of these, these other games going on, but that Penn state, I, um, Iowa one is going to be, I hope, um, an interesting and a good outcome for us. <laughs> Well, and that's 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 the thing. Penn State's got the firepower. Will they be able yeah. to defend well enough? Maybe the question, but they've got the firepower to 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 go with Iowa. Yeah, I, I predict that's probably going to be a pretty high scoring game um, in that one. So, um, which is probably maybe a good time to kind of update people on the standing. So, as of today, um, the Iowa and Ohio State are tied for first with 10 and t- at 10 and 1. And this loss today did drop us into second at 9 and 2, or third, I guess, rather. Um, and then Penn State's um, there uh, in fourth at 7 and 4. Michigan and State is at fifth at 6 and 4. And then Nebraska and Michigan are now tied at 6 and 5. So, that loss for Nebraska really, you know, kind of dropped them down there too. And, it, it, you know, again, when you're really wanting to get into that top four to have that double buy in the big 10 tournament, um, you know, any, any, uh, home loss like that is really kind of, um, unexpected, but it, it's really hurts your chances at being able to, to do that from here on out. Any other thoughts on the big 10 as a whole, or do you want to give us your final thoughts for today? Now I'll move on to final thoughts here, Kathy. And just again, it's not the end of the world. You still have your goals in front of you, which is winning the Big Ten. Now you 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 have to have some help because if Ohio State goes in and beats Iowa, then it really makes it tough. You know, because I'm not sure Ohio State loses the game after that if they don't. If they don't lose in Iowa City, I'm not sure where they lose um, with that. Um, And again, I said we said this at the beginning of the year. I especially felt like Ohio State was the best team in the league at the beginning of the season. I felt like with that. So that that may play out. But any chance you have, you're going to need a little help. But your goals are still in front of you. You still got a chance to possibly share and get get enough help, maybe win the league outright. You still have the Big Ten tournament in front of you. And again, you want to get as good a seed as possible. That you know, that two or three seed. If you can't be the one seed, I'm not sure the two or three – actually, to me, the two, three seed is actually not a bad place to be because you avoid that number one seed until the final um, yeah. with that. So if you can't be the one, get then I you know, I don't mind the two or three. The four, sometimes you get that semifinal game with the number one um, with that. So um, so you still have your goals in front of you. And, but just, you know, it was I think it was like you talked about, Kathy, kind of the manner of the loss where we looked like we were in a role, especially going into halftime. Then we come out third quarter and just, just act like we didn't know how to attack the press. And again, I think some, I think a lot of that's on the players. I can't imagine. I know Terry Morin took the coaching route of, I didn't have us prepared, but a lot of it, again, I said something, I didn't like the scheme, but players still got to execute and they didn't execute. Absolutely. Yeah. That third quarter was just too, too much of a, a hole that we dug for ourselves to, to get back out of and um, too big of a mountain to, to overcome. So, um, <clears throat> you know, yeah, to your point, we, we really have to just make sure we're, we're holding serve at home here now. And we got that um, Iowa came coming up on the 22nd, which I know everyone has circled. 
But we can't look past some of these other teams coming in because if we do that, we are going to trip. And then that's where you you really take yourself out of the potential to, like you said, um, tie at a minimum for the, the conference lead. And Ohio State, you know, they do still have to go up to Michigan State and up to Penn State on the road both, which you never know what could happen with either of those two teams this year. Um, and so I think for all of us listening um, – Thursday, we're going to be fans of three teams. We're going to be fans, of course, of Indiana. We're going to be fans of Penn State going into Iowa. And then if, you know, Minnesota, even with any miracle, they have Ohio State coming in. So we'll be fans of Minnesota on Thursday night as well. Maybe they can pull the upset off with Ohio State coming in. So that's, for me, my final thoughts for today. And I think we'll hit some music and just kind of talk about what's coming up. So yeah, real quick on that. Thanks uh, to Bob Thompson a little early. That was some music that he created for us. I was able to finally meet Bob in person on Friday night with a, you know the Back Home Network meetup that we had this weekend. So he was at the team dinner Friday night. So it was nice to, to meet Bob in person. So um, for us, we will be up next. We will be doing a show on Thursday after the Michigan State game. So I know Thursday night is normally when you would be listening to Assembly Call and their weekly radio show. Um, but I talked to, to Jared um, this weekend. And he said, nope, this game against Michigan State is more important and they're going to move assembly call so that we don't kind of correspond at the same time. So we will be going live right after that game. Um, so again, as a reminder, that game is Thursday on Peacock. The tip time is seven Eastern, six central. So Jeff and I should be jumping on around nine Eastern or eight central. Um, assembly call radio, um, I, like I mentioned, will be on sometime this week, potentially, um, or maybe they take a week off. Um, but I think they have um, a men's game coming up that they'll be highlighting this week. Um, uh, but they might not have their their normal um, radio show. So keep an eye on the assembly call um, Twitter feed. Um, so most likely you will hear them Tuesday after the men's game. Um, but I'm not sure if they'll do like a regular show or not. So they might move it to Wednesday. I'm not quite sure what Jared's decided. So anyway, keep an eye on Twitter or um, any of the other places if you're in Substack and we'll keep you up to date on when it is. But um, if you do want to see the low show live for Jeff and I and be part of our live chat, you can subscribe to our YouTube channel at youtube.com slash at back home network. You can be part of our private community as well. Find out more at assemblycall.substack.com. Again, special thanks to John Ringer of Riggs Design for designing our logo and Bob Thompson for our music. But most of all, thank all of you for listening and being here today or listening after the fact. Um, we really appreciate everything, and especially any of you that we got to meet yesterday at the meetup. It was really nice to have um, meet a lot of people. Um, so really, really happy about that. So um, we will be back again talking hoops with you on Thursday evening. But until then, keep your elbows in, your eyes on the rim, and let's go Hoosiers. Yeah, I hit the wrong music. Uh, but no, you talk about radio, Kathy. You did great. That's you know kind of a radio thing where you, you know, kind of get the little bump music into it coming out of the out of the out of the timeout or into the intro yeah. and kind of talk right over it. You did great. Yeah, I didn't mean to, but yeah, I turned no, out pretty good. I, I, I hit it a little early, but I was just like, you know what? That uh, actually I actually sounded like we knew what we were doing. Yes. <laughs> yes. And, yeah. 
And for anyone listening, the same thing, we play um, Iowa on a Thursday night as well, the 22nd. And so um, actually Jeff will be doing that show with Coach Marlowe because um, my husband and I will be traveling, um, going to vacation. So I'll, I'll miss that game, but don't feel so too bad for me. I'll be in Cancun. So <laughs> I'll be with Coach Tonsoni. Jeff won't be yes. with Coach Marlowe. Oh, no. you Well, you will be with yourself, <laughs> but you'll also be with Coach Tonsoni. It's been a long weekend. Yes, yes. it has. It has. <laughs> I, came, I, I went down for the meetup yesterday and then came back last night. So it's been a yes. long weekend. And the game wasn't much fun yesterday, but anyway, Hey, by the way, just for people know, and I know they don't listen to our necessarily our feed for the men's information, but the men play at Ohio state on Tuesday, um, that game and the AC will be on assembly call. will have their post game show after that. And then, um, after beyond that, I know Thursday night, we're going to be on after the the women's game on Peacock. So, um, so with that, so we're looking forward to that. And, and Kathy's going to Duke out on me here. She's going to Cancun to get some sun. Yes. Wow. <laughs> it's been lacking here. Um, check local listings, but yes. <laughs> here, here in Northern Indiana, sun's out today. So not too bad. It is here too, as well down in Southern Indiana where I'm actually here today. So, and with that, Jeff, I think I'm going to let you go. I'm going to go yep. hang out with the family for a while yep. and uh, I'll see you on Thursday and see yep. everybody else. So thanks talk everyone. To you, talk to you on Thursday. See everybody and I'll get this loaded up for everybody. Yep. See you, Kathy. Bye-bye.